Hello and welcome to another episode of Addiction Audio, the podcast from the journal Addiction. Uh, today I am talking to Dr. Alexander Denisov, who is a psychiatrist and PhD student at the University of Turku, Finland, in the Department of Psychiatry and uh, the Addiction Medicine Department of Turku University Hospital. Uh, Dr. Denisov, uh, welcome to Addiction Audio. Thank you very much. Uh, so, uh, Alexander is here to talk about uh, his paper recently published in Addiction Journal uh, that's titled Is Early Exposure to Cannabis Associated with Bipolar Disorder? Results from a Finnish Birth Cohort Study. So, um, in this paper, in the background, you talk about a plausible link between cannabis and bipolar disorder via the endocannabinoid system and its role in mood control, which I found I found that fascinating. Uh, can you explain a bit about this? Yes. Uh, firstly, it is known that ingested exogenous cannabinoids may produce altered mood states, as data from randomized controlled trials indicate that the characteristic intoxidrome produced by THC uh, involves euphoria and elevated mood states, so, such as is seen in bipolar uh, disorder. And also it's known that cannabis uh, withdrawal syndrome, now included in the DSM-5, resembles depression with a de depressed mood, anxiety, sleep disturbances, and loss of appetite as key symptoms. Uh, secondly, imaging studies point to cannabinoid receptors being highly expressed in, in brain areas involved in, in mood disorders, su such as the hippocampus, uh, basal ganglia, and the cerebral cortex. And uh, furthermore, uh, the endocannabinoid system is thought to fine-tune the activity of other major neurotransmitter systems, such as the serotonergic and dopaminergic systems, which uh, are perturbed or, or are known to be perturbed in uh, mood disorders. And finally, uh, the cannabinoid uh, receptor antagonist uh, Rimonabant, which was used as a weight loss medicine, uh, was withdrawn due to side effects such as depression and increased suicidality. So many lines of depression uh, of evidence point to uh, uh, the endocannabinoid uh, system being in involved in. Mood, mood control, and thus it's plausible that uh, perturbations of the endocannabinoid systems may be linked with bipolar disorder. Uh, uh, that's really interesting. So, uh, so again, I mean, considering the the range of um, kind of mood disorders that, that this uh, that, that the endocannabinoid system and, and potentially cannabis might be linked with, uh, why did you decide to look specifically um, at bipolar disorder and among youth? Why is this such an important area? Uh, why bipolar disorder itself is a, is a, an outcome of interest is, is due to the fact that it, it, that disorder is char characterized by a, first of all by a, a chronic course uh, with uh, bipolar patients uh, being known to spend most of the time in an altered mood state and less less than half of the time in in a, a normal mood state. And thus, it also causes substantial impairment with, uh, for example, the global burden of disease uh, study estimating uh, the, uh, the amount of disability accounted for bipolar disorder to be uh, comparable to uh, that uh, caused by schizophrenia, which is, of, of course, uh, another serious mental disorder uh, known to cause a substantial impairment. And furthermore, bipolar disorder has been estimated to count for uh, premature mortality, both to, due to medical illness and suicide 
death as to the uh, interest in specifically young young uh, people it is known that adolescence is an important period of um, brain development all the way from uh, puberty to emerging adulthood and uh, it is known, known that the central uh, the brain continues to develop until the age of 25 with the uh, prefrontal cortex being among the area uh, brain areas to last achieve full levels of maturity and, and it has been hypothesized that this ongoing brain development in adolescence uh, confers vulnerability to psychiatric disorders and furthermore uh, according to a recent meta-analysis, uh, it was estimated that 62.5% uh, of first mental disorders occur before the age of 25. And uh, specifically, bipolar disorder has a peak onset uh, during the third decade of life. According to this uh, most recent meta-analysis, it has been estimated to occur on, have its age of onset on average uh, at the uh, age of 30 years, but in other epidemiological studies, it has been estimated that the average age, age of onset is considerably er, earlier. For example, in a Finnish uh, uh, study, it was estimated that the average age of onset would be approximately 22 years of age. So the, the, that's why. Yeah. And, and so it's, it, it is this really important area. And, and uh, you know, like you say, and particularly for youth, but yet going into this um going into your study you mentioned that there's there's very few studies that have come before you that have really really tried to to look at this association certainly in a longitudinal way um so you, you may also mentioned that those studies that did exist had quite substantial limitations can you can you talk us through what some of those limitations were yes uh, first firstly I, I would like to remark on the positive of the evidence base uh, the association of early cannabis use with bipolar disorder has been assessed many folds uh, less frequently uh, with prospective data than the respective association with de depression. For example, in the recent uh, systematic review and uh, meta-analysis by Gobbi uh, and, and co-authors, uh, which was published in uh, JAMA Psychiatry in 2019, they identified at least 30 prospective studies assessing the association of specifically adolescent cannabis use and depressive symptoms or depression. And in comparison to this evidence base, the association between adolescent cannabis use and bipolar disorders is certainly an understudied issue. We managed to find in our own literature search for prospective studies, two of which were utilized small clinical high-risk samples uh, one, one of the studies conducted with these high-risk samples involved uh, participants with one parent with uh, type 1 bipolar disorder, which is of significance as uh, bipolar uh, disorder is considered to have a considerable heritable, heritable component. And then, then the other uh, study was conducted with an, an, a clinical high-risk sample limiting the generalizability of the results. And then, then uh, two uh, population-based studies have also been published previously, one of which was a birth cohort study, as, as was ours also. But um, in this study, uh, they studied uh, hypomania symptoms as the main outcome and, and, and used a uh, hypomania checklist as a, a proxy measure for uh, bipolar disorder or, or uh, hypomania uh, specifically. But, but uh, using these clinical screens as uh, proxy measures of uh, bipolar disorder, a bit problematic as, as the, for example, the specificity, 
this of, of, of this hypomania checklist uh, was reported to be only 57 percent in a recent meta-analysis uh, which means that there really is a concern for uh, false positives when using this this outcome but that is not to say that uh, using clinically uh, diagnosis made in a clinical practice as the main outcome measure is without methodological challenges for example the positive predictive value of this clinician-made diagnosis has been found to be less, less than 50% in, in other studies. However, clinician-made bipolar diagnosis uh, have been, uh, made in Finland have been found quite, quite accurate, nevertheless. And then another key issue is confounder, uh, confounder control for other substance use, namely only uh, one of the four previously published studies, uh, the aforementioned uh, birth uh, cohort study control for other substance use. And, and we feel that this is a really a crucial issue as it is known that uh, polysubstance use is very common in adolescents and particularly no other study uh, controlled for smoking, even though uh, smoking has been found to be associated with both cannabis use and uh, bipolar disorder. So it's a pot potential source of confounding bias. Uh, it's, it's known that cannabis is frequently uh, consumed with uh, tobacco and smoking itself has been associated with, for example, uh, psychosis and also bipolar disorders in, in, in previous literature. Other issue that raises concern is, is that in the previous studies, uh, the duration of follow-up has ranged from one year to, to eight years. And this, this raises concerns for reverse uh, causality as cannabis intoxication can itself cause uh, significant mental disturbances that may mimic uh, bipolar disorder. And uh, the average treatment delay from onset of uh, symptoms uh, to an established clinical diagnosis has been uh, estimated to be uh, approximately eight years. And so this introduces the possibility uh, of self-medication of by cannabis of an already established disorder. Um, yeah, you talk you talk quite a lot in this paper um, about confounders. Uh, it's obviously it's a big theme, and we'll, we'll come to that when we get to the uh, get to the results. But but I guess one of the ways that you addressed that was to use this uh, the the Finland birth um, cohort. So I've seen the, bit, the Finland birth cohort used in, in other papers in the past. Um, for people who are not familiar with it, uh, can, you explain, uh, can you explain a bit about what the Finland birth cohort is and you know, why it's such a valuable uh, data set? Yes, it, it's an ongoing um, birth cohort, which, which included 99% uh, of all uh, live births in the two northern uh, province, northernmost provinces in Finland between, between July uh, 1985 and June 1986. Uh, and in, originally included uh, 9,432 uh, live-born uh, ch children. And 73.8% uh, of, of the participants originally included in, in this birth cohort participated in this follow-up study. Of course, there was some, some attrition from the original birth cohort, but uh, nevertheless, it's an exceptionally exceptional da data set uh, considering um, general disability of the results to the general population. And, and uh, a unique feature of this uh, study as compared to other birth cohorts is the linkage to the nationwide 
uh, registers uh, for for uh, clinic clinician based diagnosis made it made in uh, clinical practice. So are they, are they are they kind of automatically linked then? So you 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 get your data on this this birth cohort. Does that automatically come with the data from the register the register of primary healthcare visits, or do you have to kind of match that up as you're going along? My, myself have not been in, in involved in in. Uh, managing the data and linking linking the cohort data with the data uh, with the register based data but uh, in finland uh, all uh, inhabitants have a unique social security number so so uh, linking linking uh, the the data is quite quite uh, feasible um that makes sense uh, so the other, just the last question on that that cohort that you chose you you chose 15 age 15 16 as a as a starting point for your study i guess that's the point at which you you measured whether participants had used cannabis um why did you choose that as as the starting point uh, you know why did you not choose i don't know 10 12 or or maybe 18 or 20 what why did you choose that well, well this was um due to practical reasons uh as uh, the field study uh where when uh Cannabis use and other other health uh, ha- habits were were assessed. What was uh, when the participants were aged fifteen to sixteen years, and and we do do not have uh, data on on uh, cannabis consumption habits or other or other drug consumption habits, drug consumption habits at other time points. So it was a uh, data driven. It's, it's when when the question was first asked. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Um, okay, so if we move on to the results, and I think I, I think this area is really fascinating because you, you found an association between between cannabis use and and later life bipolar disorder, and, and that 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 association stayed when you adjusted for several confounders, but it it disappeared. It was no longer statistically significant um, uh, when you controlled for uh, other drug use and and some other variables. So does what does this mean? Does this mean that there that there isn't an association? Um, does it mean that you didn't find evidence for an association, or does it mean that there is, but perhaps it goes via other routes? What what's the kind of implications of this finding? Yes, the association attenuated to non non significant after after uh, uh, adjusting uh, for frequent alcohol intoxications and and uh, other illicit drug use and the daily. Uh, smoking but even if if this association was not seen as independent of, of other substances uh, early cannabis use uh, can uh, nevertheless be thought of as a signal of a potential adverse mental health trajectory and moreover in previous studies published by our group cannabis use has been associated with um, psychosis dip- depression and anxiety disorders independent of these uh, sub- also in- independent of these uh, substance use uh, confounders the, the other question is why did the uh, association attenuate to non- non-significant with respect to this outcome firstly bipolar disorder is a rare condition in the general population the the cumulative incidence of bipolar disorder is in our study was 1% which is in accordance with other epi- epidemiological studies but in contrast, in a study uh, assessing the association with um, of adolescent cannabis use with um, depression and, and anxiety disorders, the uh, respective cumulative incidences of these disorders, which are far more frequent, uh, were 9% and 10% respectively. 
And, and uh, secondly, only 5.6% of uh, participants reported lifetime cannabis use uh, in the field study. And the rarity of the uh, outcome and also the, the low prevalence or the relatively low prevalence of cannabis use uh, introduced power issues. And, and perhaps many folds larger cohorts with detailed information on heavier cannabis use would possibly be required to detect associations with, between cannabis use and rare outcomes such as bipolar disorders. For example, uh, studies utilizing the Swedish conscript cohort with linkage to clinical registers for diagnosis data have reported statistically significant associations between uh, outcomes which are as infrequent as bipolar disorders such as individual psychotic disorders uh, studied separately, namely schizophrenia and uh, uh, schizoaffective disorders. But, but this uh, Swedish conscript cohort comprises of, of over 50,000 uh, male conscripts and, and, and uh, who were initially uh, surveyed um, for inform detailed information on cannabis use, including very heavy, heavy uh, cannabis use, for example, at least 50 times or, or more. And, and, and even in this Swedish uh, conscript uh, cohort, uh, in, the, in the latest follow-up study, they found an uh, association between uh, cannabis use and risk of schizophrenia only in the group reporting most frequent use. Yeah, that's something that you touch on in your um, limitation section is the um, is, is that you had to you had to make your kind of cannabis use variable a, a binary yes or no have they have they used cannabis was it past year I can't um, um, lifetime cannabis life, lifetime cannabis yeah. use let me say that again <laughs> Um, so you you uh, had to make that variable um, binary for the yes no on lifetime cannabis use, um, and you mentioned that there's a potential bias there that that means that you can't explore the impact of of heavy use versus uh, like moderate or light use of cannabis. Um, is that something that you'd like to do, um, and, and what would be the challenges of, of conducting that kind of study? Yes, uh, due to power issues, we we were able to assess cannabis use only as a binary or, or dichotomous uh, variable in uh, other uh, studies uh, assessing other outcomes such as depression and anxiety or psychosis we have used a multi-level kind of cannabis variable but but studying levels of cannabis use is uh, of course crucial in assessing dose response which is a criterion uh, when inferring causality and, and uh, truly li lifetime cannabis use may vary from a single exposure to very uh, heavy use with uh, um, perhaps concomitant use of synthetic cannabinoids. And uh, ide ideally information and exposure to uh, uh, cannabis would be provided in standard unit doses of THC, which is a uh, uh, much discussed topic at the moment in, in, the, in the field. And, and to gain an accurate understanding of uh, uh, cannabis exposure burden, cannabis uh, should ideally, the ca cannabis use should ideally be assessed in multiple time points and uh, complementary information such as uh, urine drug screens would be valuable as well to that end. Wonderful. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating study um, and certainly the uh, um, all studies that are looking at the relationship between cannabis um, and uh, mental health problems particularly among young people are, are incredibly important that we gain a better understanding of these and that these studies are done and particularly 
when you've got such rich data as you can get from the um, Finland birth cohort, even though that is even though that is limited. Um, Dr. Alexander Denisov, uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you.